Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe and Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, the NBA Finals is just rounding up. Hockey playoffs just finished, but there's tons of baseball to play. So what are you waiting for? For prop bets, futures, odds, and news and information, you got to head to BetOnline, your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before next tip-off, face-off, or remember, next pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. Bet online your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod today i am so very excited to have this guest on i'm excited to talk to him and get his perspectives on just life and everything his name is dr charles red jr he's a nationally recognized fortune 500 business leader adjunct professor speaker and ministry founder he has worked with the hershey company pepsico frito-lay coca-cola enterprise it's made him a national leader in operation sales leadership and sales revenue and we might just talk about how he's a Detroit Lions fan, but we'll see how that goes. Dr. Red, how are you today? Thank you so much for joining the pod. Oh, Joey, it's a pleasure. It's great to see you. Great to be a part of what you're doing. You're doing amazing things. That's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And I was really enjoying just kind of trying to do a little background watching your videos. And I just, I love your enthusiasm. I love your positivity. I love your spirit. I love your perspective. So if you can just help walk the listeners through a little bit about your background, just the journey it seems like you've walked a couple different paths in life and just kind of walk a little bit about how, you know, you are in the place that you are today talking about the things that you're passionate about. You know, I've had the privilege of uh, coming from that great city of Detroit out of the great late state of Michigan and being a Detroit Tiger, Lions, Red Wings, you name it, Pistons fan. And just growing up listening to radio baseball with Ernie Harwell, one of the greatest baseball announcers ever. So that's me. If I had to choose my life all over again, I would have been a play-by-play -play announcer. And uh, we used to practice that as kids, mimicking the announcers. And that's always was a joy. Got a chance to go to school there in the Midwest, but started my career in corporate America. You know, sales has been my uh, expertise in learning how to be the best sales consultant I possibly can be. And then I transitioned into leading and coaching and directing teams to be better at what they do. I work for this fabulous company, the Hershey Company. We sell chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? And uh, I get great pleasure of making folks around me better. And that's the joy of what I do in the day. Outside of that, I'm an author. I wrote a book called Don't Stop Now, because no matter where you're at on life's journey, don't you dare give up. As Winston Churchill would say, never, ever, ever give up on life. And that's so important. And then uh, what, what, what brings me joy uh, is being a life coach. I'm a certified credential life coach, and I help people get unstuck. What do you mean unstuck? You know, everyone in this world has something of value to offer, but not necessarily everyone has uncovered that value. I come along people and I ask them powerful questions to get them to look with inside themselves and to see the possibilities and to encourage them to dream out loud. And I'm there to support them and ask them powerful questions and encourage and hold them accountable. I enjoy that. And uh, in addition to that, I mentor folks one-on-one. -on -one. A lot of those folks are where I work uh, with the Hershey Company and mentoring those that want to do better and advance their career. So it's been a great journey. Now, don't let me fool anybody. It hasn't always been a bed of roses. There have been ups and downs. There have been mistakes made. There have been failing. 
but I've learned something about failing. It's not the mistakes that we are going to be judged by. It's going to be what, how we've overcome those mistakes. And I think that's the beauty about it. And in failing, it's not about just failing and giving up. It's about failing and learning and failing forward to continue to move on. So I just excited about telling folks about life and, and being optimistic about what it is that we do and to do your very best. Because at the end of the day, Joey, we want everyone to live a life of significance. We want everyone to leave a legacy for generations to follow. And just like the music artists, we want the music to continue to play when we're long gone off away. It will still have its same effect. It'll bring joy and laughter and dance onto the dance floor. Well, I'm so happy that uh, fate and maybe even LinkedIn connected us a little bit. And I'm just so happy to hear some of these things that you're talking about, because, look, we can go on and we may eventually talk about, you know, Cecil Fielder, Wayne Fontas, Steve. Oh, yeah. We can maybe do all that stuff. But I really did want to bring you on because, you know, I, I just think that your messages right now that you're putting out there into the world are really important. And, you know, I I don't want to bend this uh, politically, but it's obvious this last year and a half has been challenging for a lot of people. And what you just mentioned really stuck out to me was unstuck. And I think what's happening, perhaps not just now, but maybe in the next couple of years, are people going to have to meet that challenge of being unstuck through all the different challenges and all the different things that we've had to change in our lives moving forward. So can you talk a little bit more about that or maybe talk about an experience in your life, which you mentioned wasn't always a bed of roses. You know, what, what was it? What was a catalyst or was there an it moment where you where you recognize that, hey, maybe I'm I'm stuck and I need to unstuck myself. And you began a mantra and principle that carried on through the rest of your life. Absolutely. I'll touch on both of those. You know, when I think about this pandemic and I've talked to a lot of people across America through LinkedIn and through these discovery calls and what I have found is that people have done a lot of reflection. They have uh, decided to make changes in some instances. They are answering the question, why am I still here? Because there've been a lot of loved ones that have gone on, people that they know, but I'm still here. And so why is that? And so we found in the church community that the walls have come down because people on the internet are joining in and listening in. And so membership has gone up. Uh, I found on a personal note that people are really uh, trying to their best to understand what it is that they do well and what they're going to do going forward. And that's a great thing. When I think about my own life and I think about, you know, doing a lot of good things, but not necessarily the right things. Mm. And I had to come back to what am I most passionate about? And that brought me to the place of being a servant leader someone who is serving great food and a great experience to the people that I encounter. And, 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 and you know, we all like a great restaurant, right? We go there because we get great food and great service. And what do we do? We go and we tell people, you got to check out that restaurant. Yes. And I want to be one of those change agents that helps people uh, go from negative to positive, to go to uh, what's impossible to possibilities. And so in that, uh, I think of my own in terms of times in life where I felt I may have should have gotten the promotion on the job or I didn't do as well as I thought I could in some type of a situation or I had a failed marriage after 23 years, ended up divorced. And so what did I learn from those experiences is that get up, talk about it and do better. 
Mm-hmm. And so I've learned that in the course of life, in my ups and downs, that I may be down, but I'm not out. And I want people to know out there that there are possibilities and everything that we have experienced, good or bad, it can turn out to be good in the long haul because we will have learned something versus just giving up on life. And so that's what I take out of it, Julie. I will tell you a little bit about my story real quick because it kind of relates to what you just said. You know, a year and a half ago, um, working in a restaurant, great people, love, love, you know, love interacting with people, love serving guests. As you mentioned, when they walk out and they have that great time as a server, I actually felt really, really good about that. But to be honest with you, kind of spinning my wheels in life, I was an actor, you know, booking, doing well, but also a very frustrating process with a lot of rejection and a lot of mental fortitude that you have to constantly be on top of all the time or it can bite you really, really hard. And, you know, I will tell you in this last year and a half, my life has changed. I'm doing this now. I'm talking to people like you. I'm talking sports. I'm trying to reach out and hear other people's stories. And it's been it's been pretty incredible. Honestly, I mean, it's completely changed. It's completely changed my life. Do I think I'm going to be doing this specifically? I'm not so sure. But, you know, it's just it's just these changes right now. I'm really trying to embrace them, embrace them as challenges. I've said this on the podcast before, and it's going to be hard for people to hear but I, I try and make it incumbent upon me that there's been so many difficult things and people have lost loved ones over the last year and a half we now have a responsibility or an accountability to try and find the blessings during this time and try and make this world a little bit of a better place walking out of it because if we only look back at the bad things and didn't make anything good out of this you know what are we doing is, i guess is my question you know that's right you know joey here's the thing we we have something about everyone as i said We've got to uncover that. And then we have to give our very best. There's something that you do better than I do and vice versa, but it all can come together and make us all better. You know, in the business, what I do in sales, we drive for results. But then the other side of that is that we make others around us better. And together we arrive together. And what I do as a life coach, I help people to understand that you have something that no one, you don't have to be envious of anybody, you don't have to be jealous of anyone, you have something and let's uncover that and let's make that the best. You know, we talk about sports and we think about the athletes who find their gift in throwing a baseball, hitting a baseball, throwing a football or whatever it might be, but they sold out to it. They practice it day and night. They became a slave to their gift and they allowed their gift to get them to where they are today, not just for the game, but to do even more in their community, to do more in giving back. They're able to dream out loud and to have the resources to do more. But it all started with the very thing that they did well. And we must do that. What do the people say to you? Oh, you do that great, Joey. You ought to consider that. What have your parents said? You ought to do that. What have you done that has become easy for you and hard for others? Well, there lies a clue as to what it is that you have. Now, let's get that diamond in the rough and let's move it out and let's drive it to success so that people will take notice and then that gift will open up doors that you never thought was possible for it to be open. Wow. And I grew up playing sports, so I get reps, right? I just put reps into everything that I do, and you just start to see the progress as you kind of move along. Absolutely. I, I want to ask you one more business question, then I do yeah. want to see a couple sports things. You know, you mentioned um, on your website a transformational experience that you had at, I believe, I think it was Hershey Coca-Cola. And I'm wondering if you can maybe kind of tell that story a little bit. And it seemed to be about 
kind of instead of maybe looking at what the corporate mandates are, maybe reaching out to employees and trying to get some sort of a little bit more of a dialogue going on. And if you could tell, if you could talk about that experience and also maybe talk a little bit about how, do you feel like we're going to start maybe doing business a little bit differently moving forward um, that might be a little bit more, you know, centric towards the employee and their not just productivity, but the efficiency and the happiness of the employee to help the corporation thrive? Absolutely. I think the transformation for me, not think, I know during my course of corporate America, you know, let me relate it this way. You remember as a kid, we used to play this game called King of the Hill. And the object of the game was to knock everybody off of the side of the hill, get to the top, raise your hands up and say, I'm the king, I, I, I'm victorious, only me. Well, the transformation for me is that I realized that in of myself, there's not enough time in the day, there's not enough hours to get everything done. I used to thought, uh, think that I had to be in control of everything. I had to be the person behind the wheel. If this car was going to go off the cliff, I'm going to be behind the wheel. But I understood that there are diversities of experiences and talent. And when you're able to bring them all together, we all are better for it. So now my attitude is not the king of the hill, is that we all get to the top of the hill and we leave no one behind and we celebrate together. That's been the transformation is that we can get more done, we can achieve more. And, and using a sports analogy, uh, someone said it this way, you know, players win games, but team wins championships. And that's the difference that I think and I've seen in corporate America. As a result, people are more uh, willing to give of their talent, of their creativity. And when you mesh it all together and being a leader, it's like being an orchestra leader and you have the string section and you have the horn section and you have the drum section and all you're doing is orchestrating and everybody's doing their part and it all comes together for some sweet music. That's the beauty. Now, what has happened in this uh, pandemic and now you know buildings were shut down, we work from home and everything is virtual. It took its toll on people to some degree, but then also it opened up the eyes of corporate America that look, productivity doesn't change much. People are doing just as much at home versus they're doing at the office building. Hmm. And so now there's gonna be this, this, this combination of working from home and working from the office. And so this work-life balance, we're working on things that we can do even now as I speak, how do we get more involved in, in team, uh, social activity, internal as well as external, and working together uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense of teamwork versus uh, being isolated and thinking that you're all alone. So I think the productivity has increased as a result of that. And I think that the, the teamwork concept is better for all of us, that we become that much more effective and more impactful and more far reaching than we ever thought we could do. And I think conventional wisdom often says it's one or the other, which I never really made a lot of sense of, where, as you said, you know, the player wins the games, the team wins the championships. Those are one and the same. They are on the same linear path, right? You have to win the games to get to the championship. You need the players to make it to the champ. You need the team. You know what I mean? It's all one and the same. And maybe we can take it from also a business model, too, as well, where it's maybe getting a little bit back to maybe all pulling on that same rope a little bit. And if there's a way where we can kind of open up our eyes to the productivity, look, I live in Los Angeles, so I know a thing or two about traffic, right? And yeah. you know, just, just taking that hour and 40 minutes away, not just the time that's spent, but sometimes the stress that's involved, sometimes the, 
the lead up of the anxiety of driving into the office, but you got to fight through a ton of traffic in the day. If there's a world where we can start to alleviate that a little bit, maybe we're kind of onto something as we move forward in the coming years. I do want to ask you about some sports questions real quick. Uh, let's go back real quick to your play-by-play, your play-by-play fantasy. I'm the same guy. Uh, I grew up doing the exact same thing, bottom of the ninth, all that good stuff. So I asked this to a lot of uh, actual play-by-play guys a lot before. If you could pick, what would be? Do you have a favorite inning that you would like to call? If they said, Doctor Red, we'll give you one inning to call. Would it be, you know, the first inning, the seventh inning, the ninth inning? Which inning would you want to like get your teeth or get your teeth sink, sunk into? It would be the ninth inning because yeah. that's exciting and bring in the closer and to close out the game and. Uh, that would be great. That would be the inning I would pick. I always throw out there, um, I do like the seventh and the eighth innings for some reason because there's always that the pitcher, the starter's still in the game. He's pitching great, but oh, oh watch out. A couple guys get on base, got to go to the bullpen. That weird bullpen guy's got to kind of wiggle his way out of it. And like, there's kind of that, that's when the drama of that last third of the game really starts to kick into play. And uh, yeah, you know, the play by play guys, they all say the first inning because they get to set ah. the story. And they become these these storytellers and stuff, and I'm like, oh well, gosh, that makes a whole that makes a whole bunch of sense. Got another one for you. Um, in terms of the last, uh, I keep going back to it, but how do you think sports has um, adversely or positively affected us over the last year and a half? Well, you know, when there were no fans in the stands, I mean that I mean that was boring. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't even watching TV the games. Now the fans are back, and I've been to a couple of games here in Atlanta. And uh, I'm seeing the stadiums packed again. That's a wonderful feeling. Uh, but, you know, they made it work to uh, help the uh, athletes and uh, get them paid and, and some entertainment they gave us. But it just didn't seem the same. And uh, now we're back to some sense of normalcy. I'm excited about it because I love sports. And now we're, we just saw the uh, All-Star game here recently, here yesterday. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, a, it, it's really a good time. And it's good for America because people are getting back out and they're socializing and they're getting back with family. And that's wonderful because, you know, all of the uh, living in a bubble uh, every weekend, okay, go to the cleaners, go to the grocery store, uh, walk the dog. Uh, that got to be old after a while. And now we're back to some sense of joy, fellowship, uh, reacquainting ourselves with life and, and then taking life a little bit more seriously too, because we didn't have to be here, but we are. And now what do we do with that life? That's important. Yeah, we ran out of, me and my wife ran out of doing puzzles around the yeah. house pretty quickly, right? We started <laughs> looking around and being like, all right, hold on a second. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people, you know, some of the detractors will, will casually say that sports is a bit of a, detract, a distraction. I find it as a galvanizer, really. I mean, it, and it gave us just the maybe, and I agree with you, the, the no fans in the stands was really difficult, but at least being able to see them out there and give you something to kind of look forward to, I think was, was really important for you when you were growing up. This is another topic that I like to bring out to some guests a lot, but I have a deep belief that sports plays an integral role in a child's life and it could be positive or negative, but the impact is real. Nonetheless, um, for some people, cause I work with a lot of artists and comedians and stuff. They, mm-hmm. they hate sports. They can't stand it. But in some way that also informed the person that they wanted to be, whether it was they became more of an individual, maybe it was uh, they, they expressed themselves in different ways because they learned that they did not like sports. What was your favorite sport growing up? And, and how do you think it's affected you 
just some of your principles and some of your methods have worked into being a life coach and being, you know, the, the business leader that you are today? Well, baseball by far was my favorite sport. I loved the game of baseball and uh, I enjoyed it. I played it all the way up to high school and that was it. I wasn't a star, but I, I and then I graduated from playing hardball to softballs and that was a lot of fun too. But I use a lot of sports analogies in what I, what I teach and coach uh, because they're relevant. You know, when you talk about teamwork and you talk about uh, setting goals uh, and, and learning how to be good at the position that you play. And, and that's so important in corporate America. Know what lane you belong in and, and do your best and then uh, contribute to that, uh, which builds the overall team concept. And, and so I just felt like, you know, baseball, uh, you've got nine positions, you've got an infield glove, an outfield glove, a catcher's glove, they all have a purpose, and they all have a position. So that relates to corporate uh, scene in terms of teamwork. What's your part? How do you play it? Be the best that you can be and, uh, and, and go from there. I think that's what's helped. Really interested to hear your thoughts on the new era with the Detroit Lions. How are you feeling about, you know, Dan Campbell, your new quarterback, the direction, the whole the whole deal? Well, he brings uh, the Campbell brings a lot of energy. Kind of reminds me of that other coach we had, Wayne Fonts. Yes. Wayne Fonts uh, had a lot of energy, and I think he was the closest to getting us to the Super Bowl, and uh, that was that. The Herman Moore, Johnny Morton. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when we went 0-16 uh, in 2008, I believe it was, I still – I didn't put a bag over my head. I – and I still just bit the bullet, but I'm optimistic. Uh, you know, if Boston can win the World Series after many years, if the Cubs can win after many years, uh, then there's hope for the Detroit Lions. So I have that optimism that uh, our turn, hopefully I, I get to live to see it. But um, I, I like the direction. That was a big move in trading uh, Stafford. But uh, I think it was time for him to move on, and, and I hope him. I hope he does well with the uh, Rams there. But we're we're at least two years away from even talking about playoffs, so we'll see. I talked to a lot of Lions people. There's a lot of optimism. I mean, this year this year aside, I think you might take your lumps a little bit, but I think the direction that you're going in, getting a great left tackle in the draft, you've got actually really like blue chip offensive linemen. I like DeAndre Swift a whole lot. Yeah, don't know if Goff's going to be your quarterback long term, but he's your quarterback right now. And I think you get to sometimes when you reset, you get to kind of look down the road and be like, hey, two, three years from now, we're going to get another shot at this. We're going to get another bite at the apple. And I think maybe the Lions are pointing in the right direction of all the Detroit sports franchises right now. Which one do you have the most hope for right now? Well, you know, all four of them are in a rebuild. So uh, I think the Detroit Pistons. I think uh, this last draft, they did wonderful. We thought he was crazy, the GM. And then now all of a sudden, you know, two of them are playing over there in the Olympics. Uh, so it's uh, this first pick he's going to get here. Uh, they're debating of the three that they're going to choose from. I think Cunningham is the one, but we'll see. Uh, but I'm more optimistic with the Detroit Pistons. And then I would say, uh, don't count out my Detroit Red Wings. Stevie Iverson, uh, Iserman leading the way there. It's about time for them to make uh, back to playoffs uh, sometime soon. I miss the Red Wings Blackhawks. They moved the Red Wings over to the Eastern Conference. We never see each other anymore. We don't yeah. talk. We don't write. It's, it's, it stinks. It does. <laughs> but they've done some good work over in Chicago and uh, took a uh, member of Scotty Bowman, went over there, and his son 
Yeah. And you guys won what three championships in the last 10 years. Yes. Something like that. That's great. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're turning it over now, but it was, it was a great, it was a really great run. And, um, I've seen every I've seen every championship in Chicago in my lifetime now, except for the Bears. I was born oh, wow. I was born in '84, and I'm, I mean I was alive, but you know what yeah. I mean. It was no, the, the, the cognitive the refrigerator back then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just got good. just got two more for you. Super happy and thankful that Dr. Charles Red is here talking to us today. My first one of the last two is a lot of people out there. Um, they're applying for jobs. Uh, they're trying to get work right now. They're trying to put themselves in the best position to succeed and put their best foot forward when they're interviewing with a new company. Maybe not so much of what to say, but do you have any uh, thoughts of advice, um, any methods or any general principles that you would recommend to people going out there and uh, going through that interview process right now? Yeah, I think people should think strategically. Don't look at it as a job, but look at it as building a career. And you have to take some steps to get to ultimately where you want to be. But if you look at it uh, as a job, then that's what it's going to be. Uh, someone said it this way, either you get to go to work or you got to go to work. Well, if you got to go to work is, you know, man, I got to pay bills. I just take anything. I just got to pay for the rent or whatever. But when you get to go, you have passion about what you do. You know, you may have to start at the low end of the pole, but you are determined to work your way up because you're excited and passionate about it. So find your passion and, 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 and learn your trade and be the best of the best that you possibly can be and watch yourself take off and you'll get, be that much more productive and that much more impactful in what you do. Uh, I love that. Uh, thank you for imparting that. And then one final one for you on the, on the daily, on the, on the daily regular, are there any mantras, principles, uh, phrases, methods um, that you yourself go through mentally to keep yourself um, keep yourself sturdy, you know, mentally, keep yourself going through the day. Everyone, you know, sometimes you can have a bad phone call or a bad hour. It can kind of derail your day for some people, and people are dealing with a lot of anxiety in life right now. So what are some maybe daily mantras that you can maybe impart onto some people that maybe they can implement in their own life? Yeah, I would say, you know, be laser focused. And every morning I think about what it is I want to accomplish in the day. And I write it down and I put it, I put a little checkbox by that description. And during the course of the day, it's something about that checkbox being unchecked hmm. uh, that motivates me to get to the bottom of the list. I make lists. Boxes. I make lists yeah. too. And then, yeah, when you, and then what I do is if I don't get to it, I still put it on next week's list and I just keep, and then, you know what I mean? And you just kind of get the list as small as you can. I love that. Absolutely. It's something about keeping it before you and you're watching it and, and you're just not satisfied until it's done. Mm -hmm. That motivates me. That gets me up because even before I turn in at night, I have two things that transferred over that I got to get done the first thing in the morning. And I wake up in the morning with that passion and energy to get those things done. I also don't want to forget anything either. So if I have an idea or a thought for me personally, it's about mm -hmm. books and, and talking to people like you. So if I think of someone, Oh, I want to contact them. Oh, I can't do it this week. I still write it down. Cause it's just going to go over to that next week's list. And I'm with you, man. Just crossing that off. It just, there's, there's a little, uh, there's a little achievement there. I don't know. It feels yes, good. it is. Yeah, yeah. And we should celebrate those victories. You know, those are long-term goals or short-term goals. Whatever, when we achieve some of those hurdles, we get over them, then it's time to celebrate and then go for the next one. That's the beauty about life. 
Dr. Charles Red, thank you so much for joining today. Fortune 500 uh, leader, adjunct professor, life coach, speaker, ministry founder, uh, the man of many names, and I, I definitely think all of them are definitely earned after talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for reaching out and being generous with your time. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can do it again someday. And, you know, uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk again before Lions and Bears kick off on Thanksgiving. Oh, that would be great, Joey. It's been my pleasure to serve and to share with you today. Thank you so much. I look forward to that. Thank you. And real quick before you go, please let people know maybe websites, socials, LinkedIn, any way that they can get in touch with you or just see some of your work and, you know, be inspired by the things that you do in life. Yeah, just type in uh, drcharlesred.com. That's it. You'll find me. And uh, I'm out there to serve. Just let me know. That'd be great. Thank you so much for coming on. Hope we can do it again soon. Today's episode of Believe in Bet on Chicago was brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you head on your mobile device there because you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is pretty awesome, so make sure you check that out. My name is Joe Christopoulos. Thank you so much for listening to this pod today. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.